0: Welcome
1: to Book The, the Warmed and Bound Sessions. I'm Livia Snedden.
0: And I'm Rob Olson. Warmed and Bound is an anthology published by Velvet Press, consisting of 38 short stories, all by authors who are members of or involved in The Velvet, which is an online community of authors and fans of the trio will christopher bear greg clevenger and stephen graham jones warmed and bound was released friday july 22nd
1: j david osborne is the author of the lynchian gulag escape novel by the time we leave here we'll be friends his second novel low down death right easy is due out this winter from swallow down press he lives in oklahoma with his dog david was nice enough to take some time out of his day to talk to us here at booked
0: david thanks for taking some time to come on today we're really glad we could have you thanks man i'm glad to be here
1: definitely welcome to booked you want to start off by telling us a little bit about your warmed and bound story three theories on the murder of John Wiley
2: I can do that yeah Um, it's basically it's a story about a small town uh, Oklahoma meth dealer who is uh, murdered at the beginning of the story and it's kind of told uh, from the point of view of sort of the people of the town I guess you could say and uh, so basically, what happens throughout the story is you're given three scenarios of uh, possible suspects who could have uh, killed this guy, and then by the end, there's kind of an answer, but you have to kind of put it together.
1: I thought it was a really interesting perspective that you took with the three different uh, with the three different stories. I quite liked it. I thought it was. Uh... And, you know, not to slight any of the other stories, but it was so different from some of the other stories I read just from a perspective standpoint that it's nice to read something, you know, refreshingly different.
2: Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's different. It's different than other stuff that I write, too, because I typically write like really spare, like really bare bones kind of prose. And this one was sort of told in a almost like whimsical kind of like, I don't know, like if you were to go, uh, over to Oklahoma and you were to go to one of these neighborhoods and sit on somebody's porch and like hear them talk to you, like that's kind of the tone that I was going for. So it was totally different than, than other
0: stuff that I've done.
1: I think it worked out really well.
2: Thanks.
0: Did you have any particular inspiration for the story?
2: Uh, yeah. Well, um, I used to deliver furniture out here in Oklahoma City. And uh, basically what we would do is at the beginning of the day, we would you know, get our tickets and we would spend the entire day driving around Oklahoma City, which is one of, like, area-wise the biggest cities in America, and uh, I'd be rolling around with uh, my boss, who is pretty much like some of the characters in this story, and so I have all of these kind of horrible, kind of funny uh, stories that I figured I would sort of start dumping into, you know,
1: little stories like this, so. Great. Tell us about how you got involved with the Velvet.
2: I've, uh, started trolling the velvet. I think, I think if you look at my little screen name, I think I have a total of like 30 posts, but I joined in like 2005. Um, I think I found it through the cult, but I'm not entirely sure. I'm not sure which one came before the other one, but, uh, I remember I bought Kiss Me Judas and thought it was awesome. And then, um, I think just, like, probably random Google searches for more things like, you know, other work similar to Will Christopher Bear. So, So, all
0: right, the story, uh, Three Theories on the Murder of John Wiley, Uh, I haven't had a chance yet to read. By the time we leave here, we'll be friends, but uh, I read what the story is essentially about, and it seems particularly different than what, at least from my impression, is it's it's it seems like it's a departure from the three theories story uh do you want to tell uh people what your your book by the time we leave here'll we'll be Friends is about
2: yeah sure um by the time we leave here we'll be friends is about uh a group of prisoners in a, a siberian gulag who um for various reasons decide that they need to escape and the kind of the the cool part of the story is that when you escape from these prisons um you are basically surrounded by miles and miles of just desolate tundra you know where there's no wildlife nothing to eat et cetera. so they have to bring one person with them to kind of be the food when the food that they've packed runs out and uh yeah like uh by the time is is really written way different and i think that has a lot to do with the characters i think that i had to do a lot of research for that book because the characters are all russian and uh It's such a different culture, especially the gang culture, that the story is written in a kind of a almost more detached way than uh, John Wiley's written, because I don't hang out with Russians on a daily basis, and (laughs) I've never been to Russia. So uh, I, I was very nervous about, like, saying something wrong or, you know, making assumptions about the way that they might react. So, But then you have something like John Wiley, which I'm around these rednecks all day, so I mean, like, <laughs> I certainly know how they act and, and things like that. So it's a much more familiar tone than with the novel.
1: I can't imagine it's really easy to find a lot of information on 50 style Russian gulags. Did you find that to be kind of trying to get information on how that operated?
2: Actually, no, because there's this book called uh, Gulag by Ann Applebaum, which uh, won, I think, a Pulitzer or something like that, and it is just a giant book full of awesome gulag stories, you know, like, and I felt kind of bad. I felt kind of like a, like a vulture or something, like, cause I was going through and there were, you know, all these horrible tales of like human misery. And I was like marking them with sticky notes, like, Ooh, that's good. I, I, I could, I could, I could use that. That's pretty good. So, and then there's that. And then there's a documentary called uh, Mark of Cain. Which is about uh, current Russian prisons, which um, uh, David Cronenberg used for Eastern Promises, and is is really good at kind of explaining the uh, the, the, the gang culture there. And third, there's um, there's a book called uh, the Russian what is it called? The Russian Tattoo Encyclopedia, and there's three volumes, and I, I had volume two and volume three, and there's a great article at the beginning of volume two by Ann Applebaum. And it uh, talks about how the, in, in, in Russian uh, gangs, the, uh, the tattoo is kind of like how it relates to the Lacanian other, which please don't quiz me on what exactly that means. Mm-hmm. But it kind of is like uh, tattoos sort of both represent where these people have been and what they've done, but sort of also how they see themselves. And uh, So there was actually, between those three resources, I I had pretty much all I needed, because since it's also kind of a bizarro story, I felt comfortable, you know, fudging it, but you know when it's fudged because it's just crazy, you know?
1: It, it sounds like, you know, you're obviously very familiar with the subject matter, so I stand corrected on there may not be a lot of information available <laughs> on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you'd you, you be surprised. Was that something you were interested in beforehand? Is that what you inspired? What inspired you to write the book, or was that all stuff you came, you came about because of research?
2: I think I was watching the History Channel or something. I wasn't watching History. I don't really watch TV. I mean, I kind of like I thumb through it every once in a while, but I have wicked horrible ADD, so it's usually like scan the go from channel one to channel sixty, channel sixty down to channel back one. Anyway, um, so I think I I like flipped past the history channel and they had like literally the narrator uh had said something like uh you know when these prison escapees would walk across the tundra they would bring somebody with them to cannibalize and i'm like what awesome that's it that's all i need
1: (laughs) yeah that um what was that there was a movie by clive barker that was part of the eight films to die for a couple years ago uh-huh. i can't remember what it was anyway the the last scene is is this woman who's it, it's about facing your greatest fear and there's this woman who's a vegetarian and she's in this room with a piece of meat And i'm not gonna get really elaborate because it's pretty foul but it, it kind of just reminded me of that cause when i saw that i thought clive barker had this vision in his head and then had to write a story around it and i could almost imagine you hearing that and being like yep that's it now i have to backwards write
2: mm-hmm. got it you, 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 gotta kinda, you gotta you gotta you gotta pedal in human misery that's all we do, like, find the most messed up, awful things in the news and be like, I can totally write about this.
1: That's awesome. And so when we were doing research for this interview, and actually Amanda Gowan had mentioned um, the book during her interview as one of her most recent purchases, and uh, I know another author mentioned it to us too, and I'm not sure if it was on the air or off the air, but um, as we were doing research for it, I was reading the description, and I was telling Rob, I was like, this is totally, totally up my alley. And oh, uh, he said I'd, I just like really dark, weird things, which is very true. Um, but yeah, totally, it's going absolutely going on my list of, of books to read after reading the description and then hearing a little more from you.
2: Well, that is awesome. Love to let me know what you think. Right?
0: Absolutely. And I, I've just got a weird tagging back onto to what what you use the research for. Um, everything seemed to click except for these Russian tattoo books. Did you get those because of? that introduction or whatever, the note you said, or are you just interested in tattoos in general? It seemed like I'm just confused about where that comes into the picture. Well, oh, well, the, the tattoo, well, okay, because the, it's tattoos, the ga- Is it the gang stuff?
2: Yeah, it's basically okay. the gang stuff. And and since tattoos are such a giant part of, I mean, like these tattoos were literally who these people were. I mean, if you got a tattoo and it was, and it said something like it, it claimed, let's say that you've, I don't know, robbed a bank and you'd never robbed a bank, they would either cut your tattoo off or force you to, like, rub it off of your skin with sandpaper. So they, like, the tattoos are such an intrinsic part to what Russian gangs are that um, after I got the Gulag book and I think uh, after I saw Mark of Cain, I was in a Barnes & Noble and the, I think uh, somebody who I was with saw, is like, hey, this is a, it says Russian, look at it. And I, I was like, okay, cool. And uh, it turned out to be perfect.
0: Great. I, yeah, and I apologize if you explained that well before. I just, I, I, I don't know, it didn't click in my head. So <laughs> I had to elaborate on it. Um, another thing that um, we noticed when we were looking at this was uh, we're just going to pick apart the entire existence of this book. But um, notice that it's available on Amazon uh, in print, but not ebook. Is that something that you plan on doing, or is there a reason it's not available electronically?
2: I don't know. I've kind of talked to, to Jeremy about it. Uh, Jeremy Robert Johnson, who also has a story in the, in the Velvet Anthology, is the guy who actually published it. And uh, that's kind of more his field. I'm not really sure like what his plans are to to put the books out on Kindle. I'm pretty sure that, that, that he's going to do it uh, pretty soon, mm-hmm. but I haven't really talked to him about it, so I'm not sure. I would love for it to be on Kindle because I've had so many people be like, this was awesome, but it needs to be on my Kindle because... <laughs> That's the only way I read books though so.
1: <laughs> i I you know I have to second that i've and I think it's I figured out loosely on my based on my Goodreads list that I've read my last seventy five or eighty books on in digital media, and within that whole time, I think there was one paper book I read
2: yeah I think the the thing that bothers me about the Kindle is the, is the little percentage meter at the bottom mm-hmm. uh, yeah makes me really anxious like i don't like getting to the end of books i finish very few books because my anxiety gets so bad towards the end that i put most of them down so that little meter like once it starts to get like 85 86 i start to like not want to pick the kindle
1: back
0: up oh interesting so
1: i've actually i've uh, i've had that happen to me with a couple of books there's very very few when i was finishing the dark tower series by stephen king i literally Mm -hmm. put I put it down for like a day, and then I, I said, I am just not, I just don't want to finish reading it. And I put it in, not because it was bad, it's just I didn't want it to end. So, you know, yeah. the next day I picked it up and read a few more pages and put it down again. So I can I can sympathize with that as far as that goes. And it always drove me nuts. Rob had a Kindle um, for the first, I don't know, whatever, year and a half that we were both reading digitally. And I had a Sony, and he'd mention a book, and he'd be like, I'm 67.5% <laughs> into this book, you know. Right. And, and I'm looking, I'm on page, you know, 210. Right. So. Yeah, but I switched over to Kindle recently, and it uh, it does have its benefits.
2: So. Yeah, I, I mean, I love my Kindle, but it's just I don't know. I have Kindle on the iPhone too, mm-hmm. and so I've, I've I've done that a lot. But it's such a tiny screen to like look on, and you get text messages, and it messes up your reading flow and sucks your battery power. So, but no, Kindle over overall is a really cool thing. But um,
0: yeah, I actually have a Kindle on your iPhone story. Uh, Livius and I were reading. The Anthony Neal Smith book, Hog Doggin, uh, for a review that we were doing an episode a while back. And that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, he's he's a great he's a great author, but um, for whatever reason, <laughs> I don't know what happened, but I um, I decided that I was I set aside time to go and read the book and get some serious reading in in preparation for the for the episode, and I get to Starbucks and I. I Take my Kindle out of my bag, and the screen is just busted. <laughs> oh, I okay. And I'm thinking, like, I had I'd put this off for so long that I didn't have time. I didn't have, t- you know, I needed to get this read in the next day or two, mm-hmm. and so um, the only thing I could do was, yeah, I pulled out my iPhone and I read that 300 page book on my iPhone in one sitting in like nine hours. It was just like this. Eyes have been killing you by yeah. the end of it. It was it not sucks. Yeah, it was not the. Best experience, but I mean, you know, had no choice. But it was nice that, in a pinch. Definitely. But I wouldn't. I would never. I would never make that my first choice of a way to you are, read a book. You're you quite a soldier. You, <laughs> you, you certainly rallied. <laughs> I didn't. I just didn't want livius to
1: have anything to hold
0: over me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Probably why. Well, at this point, we need to uh, we need to get on uh, Jeremy Robert Johnson because I want to read this book and it needs to be on my Kindle soon. So we're gonna have to <laughs> yeah. we're gonna have to make a move and send an have email, you guys, I have,
2: think. Have you, guys, have you guys talked to
1: him yet? No, he's actually not on our list of people to talk to.
2: He's not on your list. What mm-hmm. is he doing?
1: Um, <clears> my up- understand the, the invitation was extended to everybody that was in warmed and bound. And I guess we're getting into the later interviews. We could talk about this a little now. Um, in total, twenty-one or twenty-two people responded, which mm-hmm. was a lot more than we expected. So yeah. we kind of cut it off after 17. But, yeah, he's not even in the people that, that came in a little later. And, and that's okay. You know, it's totally cool. We didn't expect to get, you know, 20 yeses either. So we're very, very happy with our result. But oh, he was cool. not one of so. them. I
2: can, I can answer questions for him if you need. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're, we're, we're,
2: we're pretty tight. So and anything you want to know.
1: Uh, oddly, we're we're reading this. I've never skipped around in any type of book I've read, anthology or otherwise. And um, we're reading these kind of as we're doing the interviews So I haven't read his story because he's not on the list. So I had yeah. seventeen right. other stories to read. I'm going to go back and read the rest of them this week as our uh, as our schedule lets up a little bit. So I couldn't tell you the first thing about his story, unfortunately.
2: I can't. I haven't I haven't gotten to the thing either I read the, I read the first three stories, and then I just haven't gotten to them yet. They were all fantastic. And I was like, oh, man, like <laughs> I haven't I haven't like read mine in the context of the rest of them. So I'm just like the, the first three were just killer. I think it was. Uh, oh, I can't even remember. This is how I terrible the first it. one. And then Caleb Ross, I think. And mm-hmm. then Amanda Gowan. And I had to read Amanda Gowen's story or she would probably choke me to death. <laughs> so.
1: All three of those really great stories, too.
2: Oh, no. Yeah, they were fantastic. I thought they were really good.
1: So this is a this is a good transition since you've only read three of the stories. Um, so which whose story are you looking? Well, it's a which three stories are you most looking forward to reading?
2: Uh probably the ones by uh, Craig Davidson, Jeremy's, and then Craig Clevenger, Stephen Grant Jones, Brian Evanson. That's all one word. <laughs> That's just one, <laughs> one yeah one word. <laughs> so. That's actually like every time you see it, like those are the th- so so. I mean, like those are obviously like the three stories I think most people would would probably be looking forward to because all those guys are freaking awesome and sort of idols. So yeah, I'm I'll probably save them for last because you know I just, I, I want to put it off the same way I put off finishing books on Kindle. Like I want to put that <laughs> off. in the <laughs>
0: To really, really enjoy the experience. Exactly. Yeah, I'm with you. I haven't uh I, I haven't broken form either. I could have read Clevenger's right away, but um I've been waiting until we get closer to, to actually talking to him. Um jumping around a little bit, uh we saw you have an upcoming novel, Low Down Death Right Easy. Is there anything you want to tell us about that? Sure. I can kinda of give you the
2: okay. Low down Death Right Easy is actually based in Oklahoma, but I'm I'm trying to it, it won't really be in the same tone as the story that's in this novel because i think that tone might get a little grating after a while but um it's it's kind of a really cynical uh story that i wrote when i was in a really dark place uh it involves a uh a woman who is uh drugged and gang raped by a, a group of four men and uh since she's drugged she can't you know remember any of their faces and throughout the course of the story, most of it is actually a love story between one of her attackers and her, because she's sort of unwittingly like, falling in love with one of these guys So, sort of dark sort of uh, shows how I feel about most uh, modern relationships
0: <laughs> um, and uh, do you have a kind of a timeline for when that's going to be out? I don't know if I, I saw it and I just don't remember
2: no, I mean, like there's, there's no, uh, I, I think Jeremy said he, he wanted to put it out in December, but I'm not really sure if that's still what's going to happen. Um, by the time we leave here, it came out in December, and uh, I'm really like I'm really picky, and I'm really like like by the time we leave here is, I think it's 160 pages, and it took me about two years to write that, just because I would write in a race and go through and like take out every single little word that I didn't like. So right now, like the first draft of Lowdown Death is done, but now, like, the kind of longer process has started, so I'm going to try to sort of, like, get my butt in gear and sort of, like, (laughs) get that done, but I'm not entirely sure when that's going to be done.
1: You said you were working on it for about two years. Can you tell us a little bit about what your writing process is, if you have a writing process?
2: I don't have a writing process, really. I mean, I, (laughs) I get online, I go to 4chan, and then I go to Facebook... And then I kind of like sit and I stare at the screen for a while. Then I go back and look at Facebook some more. And then once, you, once I start writing, then, you know, I can, I can pump out a page or two. But uh, most of my writing process is actually, I get really drunk because that gets the filter down. And I know that every, like, most of the people you would ask would say, don't get drunk and write. But okay, hear me out. Uh, you just get really drunk, like, you just get a, a big can of four loco or, like, mimosas or something like that, and you just type and type and type and type and type, and then you wake up in the morning, and you have, like, 20 pages of just crap. But then the point is is that you actually have words on the page, and then it's more easy once I have pieces to sort of, like, take them apart and, you know, arrange them and erase and take this away and that away. Like, there's, there's, there's a lot of anxiety, you know, when you sit down and there's a blank page, and you don't have a couple drinks in you, so that's my that's my big writing secret. Just get really drunk.
1: I, that actually brought to mind two things. A, I do believe that that's not crazy because I think that might be the Charles Bukowski school of writing. Oh, uh, if yes. I remember correctly, he used to get really, really loaded, write stuff, and then be surprised at how much he had written the next day when he woke up. Yeah, um, I actually, second I, of all, I oh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I,
2: no, I I'm just gonna say I do the same thing. I get really drunk and then I beat my girlfriend and then I, and then I said that. Was right, so <laughs> <laughs>
1: we're, gonna, we're gonna gloss over that a little here. <laughs> my second thought was that at that point, if you drink enough, it's more like just editing somebody else's work and that that might actually be easier than, you know, than sitting there and trying to put out your own, you know, your own product. Because if you're really loaded and you don't remember what you're writing, then it's like oh, editing work by somebody else. Like, here's something that's kind of rough, but I think I can make something of it, you know, and you have a oh, exactly. structure there But
2: yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. And, like, that's actually a problem that I have when I try to do, like, uh, you know, writing workshops and stuff like that, is that I have to, like, remember that there's a difference between, like, what the story can be and still be that writer's story versus what a David story would, would look like. You know what I mean? So my, my the way that I usually, like, edit things and look at things, even when I'm looking at my friend's stuff, is, is like... I, I like I put a lot of like myself into the critique or whatever. So, yeah, if I just wake up in the morning and some uh, buzzed phantom has has left all this writing on my computer screen, I can then go back and, and fix what that idiot was trying to say into something that's a little bit more coherent.
0: So <laughs> I like that. It's uh it's actually um, not something we've heard before. So uh, that's uh, I, I really like that. I, I like that process. It sounds cool just being real just being real it's not it's, <laughs> it's probably not the best but it's, it's how i do <laughs> okay. i
1: can i can barely type sober i can't imagine what it would be like if i tried to type drunk <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. oh olivia that was <laughs> that was a perfect opportunity for me to out you for your uh, your words per minute and i'm not going to do it because i'm too nice <laughs> <laughs> but uh I'm hanging i got, my I got head this, I shame got this. I got this really cool
2: game, man. It's on my computer. It's uh, it's like it's Mario Brothers, but it's a typing game. So you have to type really fast, and Mario runs, and then you have to hit the space bar and he jumps. It's 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 pretty cool. So, <laughs> if you want to know more about that? Just, just let me know.
1: You know, what? I, I'm probably gonna look at because I gotta be honest with you. Mavis Beacon Typing did nothing for me. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> you gotta put it into the in the into the context of a, of a game.
1: Like, the only <laughs> way I can. And then they have. They have games, like the reward for getting through like four or five lessons is like a game where there's, it's, it's hardly a game. But there's like a chameleon and there's these ants walking by that have letters. And if you hit the right letter, the chameleon snaps up the letters and it's got to be the most boring game. I mean, it's probably like a second grade level game. <laughs> I was going to so say, if that, someone that, comes sounds, up...
2: that sounds absolutely awful. That is, <laughs> that is, there's no way to learn. See, you can't, you can't make the game a reward. You have to make the learning a game, you see? Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Well and see now I'm thinking that maybe they need to like the developers of maybe like Halo or something like that, you know, need to come up with a game where that's what it is. It's like a first person shooter that teaches you how to type. Something really oh, bloody that
2: would be so awesome. Like like call of Call of Duty or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> they could call there it you dead, go, they could call it Dead Space, but then like space, like like a it's space a fun or space bar. Dead space bar. There we go.
1: <laughs> I love it.
2: You have there to you type go, Rob.
1: That's our that's our ticket out of podcasting. We're going to develop that game.
0: I'm copywriting that tomorrow.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: All right. Getting back on track a little bit. Um, what would you say uh, some of your biggest writing influences are? Oh, that's easy.
2: Uh, my first one is David Foster Wallace, which I don't sound. I don't try to sound like him. I I'm too frightened to try to sound like him. But he has definitely. When I was 18, I, I it took me all summer but I read Infinite Jest and that was just like boom that is what I need to do. And then uh after that there's uh James Elroy. So uh that's actually more what you'll see in most of my writing. It's just that really spare, like I really like white jazz. I think that's his best book. So and then actually like not not to kiss too much ass, but the the Velvet Writers are a huge influence, you know. Like uh Craig Clevenger and Wilkes for Bear and Stephen Graham Jones, they uh, that's basically all that I was reading during those very formative years.
0: Great. Livius is notoriously a big fan of uh of David Foster Wallace. Yes.
1: Not no,
2: really. Brother, <laughs> my brother. Uh, no, not really. No. Oh, All right, I'm going to tell
1: this one more time, and that's <laughs> never going to hit the podcast again. Um, we just, I'd never read David Foster Wallace, but we decided The Pale King was a huge literary release because of, you know, how it came about and stuff. So we jumped on it, like, the day it came out, and, and I just didn't get it. You know, I mean, it was really great in, in parts, but the pages and pages without any punctuation or paragraphs was just a little too much for me, and... You know, and, and some of that, you know, and in all fairness we, we did a review of it on the podcast and I said, Hey, if this had been through an editing process, or even if David Foster Wallace himself would have done, you know, some revisions on it, it may have not been the kind of mess of a story that it was as unfinished as it was, and maybe okay. I could have enjoyed it more, but about, from the oh, content of I couldn't do it. Are we
2: talking about Pale King? Yeah, Pale King. Okay, yeah, I mean I hear what you're saying, but I think there's like I think it's a Mark Twain quote or something that says that no book is ever really finished. And for, for a while I became fascinated actually with the idea of a writer uh, finishing a book, uh, preferably not hanging himself on his porch, but <laughs> finishing a book and then uh, leaving it and letting some other people take control and finish the book for him. Not in like a James Patterson bookmill kind of way, <laughs> but sort of like a, you know, like just like an actual collaborative, like here is what I've written, now try to piece it together and see what you come up with. And I, I just think that that'd be actually a really cool way to to write a book. And I, to me, Pale King was was just awesome. But I'm a fanboy, so you know, you're, you're getting a real biased
1: <laughs> view. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're currently working on?
2: Uh, yeah, I am. I'm working on a couple of short stories. Some of them, I don't know. There's one that's zombies, and it's like, oh, zombies why? And uh, <laughs> but I think it's funny because it's like a zombie plague where the cure for a zombie. To, like, turn a zombie back into a human, you have to bite them. So it's this big biting war, like, where everybody's <laughs> biting each other. Um, and then there's a story about a guy who gets really rich and famous uh, off of these 2012 T-shirts that say, If I'm lying, I'm Lion And let's see, what else? I'm working on a, a, a sort of a sequel, not sequel, but, like, tie-in to the, to John, the John Wiley story which is a, it's about a couple of brothers who find, a, like, a dead body in a catfish den because they're going noodling. That's a big Oklahoma thing. It's where you kind of – are you familiar with, with the term? Nope. nope. Yeah, okay. Okay. Oh, awesome. All right. <laughs> perfect. Noodling is where you go into a river and you find a catfish den. You pray that it's not, a, like, a turtle den or a snake den. And you reach your hand in and you start poking the fish, like, with your finger – And then eventually the catfish swallows your hand, and you reach out through its gills and pull it out by the hand. And that's, I mean, we have an Okie noodling festival every year here, I think. So it's kind of a big Oklahoma sport. (laughs) Anyway, it's about a couple of brothers who are doing that, and they they yank something out, and it's actually a body. And then they have to decide, like, what to do with it and stuff like that. So that and then, like, finishing up Lowdown Death, and that's pretty much
1: it. Sounds like you've got a little bit on your plate there. Yeah,
0: let stay busy. Can you give us an author that you'd like to see us review or have on to the show?
2: Any any author at all?
0: As long as they're alive. As long <laughs> as they're our alive. One, yeah, that's their one stipulation.
2: <laughs> um, I have no idea how to pronounce this gentleman's name, and it pains me because I, I love him. He is awesome. But I'm going to do the best that I can. Chris Sacknessen? i believe is how you pronounce his last name but he is an absolutely brilliant writer who uh wrote a a weird post-apocalyptic novel called zanesville and this awesome like dark noir uh called private midnight which uh is just one of the best things i think i've ever read ever and he's got a, a short story collection out right now called sinister miniatures and he just his, every single sentence that that guy puts out is, is gold. Like, there is no – I've never read a bad, crisp sentence. So that's the pains of knowing people through Facebook is that you see their names and it's just this jumble of letters and you're like, well, I'll, I'll do my best to figure out what exactly <laughs> this comes out to. But
0: <laughs> Well, I'm looking at that name. It's not an easy name to, to yeah. wrap your mind around. Yeah, I'm going to go with
1: Sacknessum.
2: That's what I thought, too, Saktosom.
0: But uh,
2: I'm not really sure where that comes from. That might not even be his real name.
1: <laughs> so. Sorry, I got dis- distracted by reading on Amazon. Sorry. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to plug before we let you go?
2: Uh, no, nothing I can think of.
0: Okay. Uh, do you want to tell everybody where they can get a hold of you or find your stuff?
2: Oh, sure. Yeah. I don't know how easy or hard this is with all, like, the weird privacy settings and things like that, but if you want to add me on Facebook, uh, that would be the best because I try to regularly make a fool out of myself and generally sort of be entertaining. Uh, my Twitter is just at Osborne and I do the same thing, but you can only use 140 characters there, and that sort of pisses me off. So I, I stick to Facebook mostly, which... Um, I guess I'm going to try to do Google Plus too. But anyway, besides that, there's uh, swallowdownpress.com where you can get like uh, most of those books, I think. So you've you've got like uh, mine and then Cody Goodfellow's books and uh, Brandon Armstrong. I'm sorry, Forrest Armstrong's books and Jeremy's books and stuff like that. And uh, I think it's not updated as much as it should be, but by the time we leave here, we'll be friends.blogspot
1: is also one of them. So that's about it. David, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk to us tonight.
0: Not
2: a problem, thank you.
0: Okay, and once again, a big thank you to Jay David Osborne for taking some time to join us tonight. Uh, we'll have links to where you can find him and his work on the post for this episode.
1: And don't forget to check out his short story, Three Theories on the Murder of John Wiley in Warmed and Bound, which was released July 22nd, and available from Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com that wraps it up for another episode of booked i'm lovia snedden
0: and i'm Rob Olson. check back tomorrow for another exciting warmed and bounce session
1: whoa we see it tall but we still grow if we still shoot we still score we still win so we still bow we still whoas the four them mm-hmm. loud i got nuts, and i got luke if you can't see the king and a nigga like me undied the lick fucking